be the hungriest to lead. Be the hungriest to be the person who's going to step up and push the project or push the conversation forward. When you're in rooms with people who have more experience than you, it is imperative that you are speaking up because that is how you are going to get visible and get noticed by people in leadership positions. And those are the people that have an enormous amount of influence to help champion you and help you grow within the organization. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are new here, welcome. If you have been listening for a while, welcome back. I'm so happy that you're here. My name is Jess, and I am a career coach for women. I help women build confidence. I help women find their voice. I help women rise up into leadership roles and build professional success in a way that feels really empowering and good. And I do that through this podcast. I do that through my one-on-one private coaching. I do that through my signature group program, The Art of Speaking Up Academy. My mission is to help women elevate into leadership roles. This mission came from a very personal place because I used to have a corporate career before I became a full-time coach and podcaster. And I was really ambitious and I saw female leaders at kind of the top of the company, running big teams, maybe running an entire company. And I thought that that looked really cool and really fun. And I felt so intrigued and so curious about what they did and very motivated and hungry for the kind of success that they were achieving. And of course, (laughs) if you've been in corporate for a minute, you know that it is super, super male-dominated at the top. And there are so many challenges that we face as women in the corporate space. And I felt like there was really a lack of resources out there for me to help me navigate those challenges so that I could create the career that I wanted and so that I could rise up into big, exciting leadership roles. All the career advice that I found when I was in my corporate career It either felt super condescending and it felt like it was sort of telling me that I was the problem and I needed to get better and fix myself. And so it kind of made me feel worse. I also found lots of career advice out there that just was very surface level and tactical and wasn't at all digging into some of the deeper mindset and self-confidence pieces that I needed help with. And I found myself feeling frustrated. I was like, this is so important. It's important to me personally for my own career. And it's important to me on a macro level as a woman who wants to see more balance in the corporate space. That's what led me to start this show because I felt like there was a void out there that I wanted to fill. And so the Art of Speaking Up podcast was born, and my goal is to help you find your voice and give you the tools that you need to feel super strong and super badass and super empowered 
every single day at work so that you can use your voice and show up and perform at your highest level. And because of that, create a career path that is upwardly mobile and super fulfilling and that feels like you are reaching and stepping into your full potential. That is what I am here to do. And today I am diving into a topic that I hope is going to free you from any pressure that you might be putting on yourself around having to be super smart in order to be a really impressive voice in the room. It's really easy to fall into this trap of wondering if everyone in the room is smarter than you. And that can come up very intensely if you are in meetings and rooms and conversations with people who have more years of experience than you. And that can create all this pressure because on the one hand, when you're in rooms with people who have more experience than you, it is imperative that you are speaking up because that is how you are going to get visible and get noticed by people in leadership positions. And those are the people that have an enormous amount of influence to help champion you and help you grow within the organization. So on the one hand, when you're in the room with higher-ups, it becomes very, very important that you have a voice, like enormously important to seize those opportunities. But on the other hand, those are also the situations where it can feel like there's more pressure because they're more experienced than you. You might feel like they're smarter than you, which we're going to talk a lot about in today's episode. And so you feel this push-pull of like, you need to be speaking up. You want to be speaking up so that they see you as a leader. They see you as competent. They know how you think. They know how capable you are. But on the other hand, those very rooms where it is the most critical for you to speak up are also the ones where it feels the most intimidating and the most scary, the scariest. And this is very normal. Like nothing's wrong with you. If you're experiencing that push-pull, it makes a lot of sense. In today's episode, I want to free you of some of the limiting beliefs that might be making that push-pull harder for you. Because what I see often is you might be setting really high expectations for yourself in terms of how smart and perfect and polished you need to be in order to impress leaders and executives. And what's interesting is that sometimes you put so much pressure on yourself and set the bar so high that it actually gets in the way of you sounding impressive. And so I want today's episode to feel like a burden being lifted off your shoulders where you feel a sense of relief because you realize that being effective and making a strong impression in those meeting rooms is easier than you thought because you are making it really, really hard for yourself in your mind. And so today is very mindset focused. It's all about changing your thinking to support you in taking action. Because if you've been around here for a minute, you know I'm obsessed with mindset. Mindset work changed my life. Mindset work is the type of coaching that I do with my one-on-one clients and in the Art of Speaking Up Academy. My coaching style is heavily influenced and informed by mindset because our internal world, our thoughts, our self-talk, all of the things that comprise our mindset have the biggest impact on our behavior and how capable we feel and how powerfully we act. So everything that we do on the outside is driven from the inside. And mindset work is just turning our attention to the inside to make sure that what we're feeling and thinking inside is supporting the actions 
and the way we want to be showing up on the outside. I'm so excited to dive in and help you with this. Before we go even deeper, I have a super exciting announcement, which is that I have a brand new, super helpful, super value-packed free resource for you called the Art of Speaking Up Free Resource Library. Over the years, I have created so many valuable free video courses, audio courses, workbooks, worksheets, and I wanted to create a place where you could find them all in one streamlined, organized place since there are so many of them. And so I can't take credit for this. My assistant, Isaac, who is incredibly talented, is actually the one that built this for me and for you. But I wanted to move all of my free resources into one easy, streamlined, easy to access place. And so we created the free resource library. When you sign up for the free resource library, you get emailed a link that takes you to one single, clean, simple webpage where all of my free resources are organized by category and easily accessible in one place. I have a free course, a free video course on executive communication called Speak Like a CEO. I have a free assertiveness ebook called The Smart Ambitious Woman's Guide to Assertiveness in the Workplace. I also have a ton of free workbooks and other resources. I have worksheets that go with some of the podcast episodes. So you will find the worksheets organized by the corresponding podcast episode so that you can download the worksheet, listen to the corresponding episode, and take the material deeper. And, 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 this is what I'm very excited about. There's also a section in the free resource library called Unpublished Podcast Episodes, where there are already a couple in there, and I will be adding more. But this is where I'm putting any podcast episodes that didn't make it to the main podcast feed. So sometimes I'll record an episode and I don't end up publishing it. Maybe the audio was like a little echoey and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can, if I really like want to put this on my main feed. But I thought like, this is such good content. I want you to not lose out on these episodes. And so I included free unpublished bonus episodes in the free resource library. So there's so much good stuff in there. I recommend that you get access to it, whether these are newer resources to you, whether you already have some of them, because this is going to make them all accessible in one super organized place. You can grab it at jessgazitcoaching.com slash free resources. I will link it in the show notes. And now let's dive even deeper into being impressive in meetings. Oh my gosh, I have so much to say on this. I do not know how long this episode is going to turn out because I just feel like I am brimming with things that I want to share with you. So let's start with the goal. The goal is for you to be impressive in meetings. That is is the goal for you to be highly impressive when you are in meetings with leaders without you having to be the smartest person. And also without you putting like a ton of pressure on yourself to be so smart and so polished and have all the answers and know all the things and be the most expert, right? Like without having to have these crazy high standards that put you in that push-pull dynamic of, I should be speaking up so that I make a strong impression on people, but I'm scared to speak up because I feel so much pressure to speak up in the perfect way. 
The first thing that I want to talk about is this idea of thinking that people are smarter than you. And I really want us to ground in facts. So whenever you are trying to grow and you feel stressed about taking up space or doing scary things, it's always helpful to get really clear on like, what are the facts of the situation, right? Versus like the made up ideas that you made up in your head that feel like facts, but aren't facts because our brains do this all the time. Our brains are wild. Like as a mindset coach, I'm constantly immersing myself in the illogical things that our mind does (laughs) and says to us. And sometimes when you step back and look at the psychological patterns that we engage in as humans, it is literally fascinating that we do these things. But one of the psychological patterns that we do often, we all do, and this is why mindset work is so powerful, is we make up things. We make things up, right? Like things that aren't real, that we just imagine are real. And we process them psychologically as facts. So here's a really good example of where you might be doing this. You might get into a room with a bunch of people who have higher titles than you and more experience than you. And you might within yourself experience that they are smarter than you. So if you've ever been in a room with higher ups with leaders, you're one of the least experienced people in the room and had an experience within yourself of, oh, they're smarter than me. I want to call your attention to the fact that that's a huge, huge opportunity to look at your mindset and shift it. Because what's actually true, like the actual facts of that situation, the cold, hard facts are that you are in a room with people who have more years of experience than you. That's all. Those are all the facts. We don't know if they're smarter than you or if you are smarter than them. We just don't know that. All we know for sure is that they have more years of experience than you. And it is very easy for your mind to make a big leap that they're smarter than you. And part of the point of this episode is it actually doesn't matter who's smarter, by the way, spoiler. But I know that our minds really like to fixate on how smart we are relative to other people. So I want to indulge the part of your mind that fixates on that. I think a lot of us do this as humans. But the facts are actually that we don't know who's smarter than who. Again, if that's even like a distinction that makes sense, which we're going to talk about later in the episode. But let's just assume for now that it does. And there's a such thing as people who are smarter than others, which... The more that I coach and do mindset work, the more that I just don't think that's true. (laughs) But anyway, let's just pretend it's true and that there are people of various levels of smartness or intelligence or whatever you want to call it. It's entirely possible that either they are smarter than you or you are smarter than them. We actually don't know that. All we know is that they have more years of experience than you and that manifests for you as feeling like they're smarter feeling like they're smarter. But just because we feel something is true doesn't mean it is true. The only thing that's actually true is that they have more years of experience. And again, if we're in this paradigm of like who's smart and who isn't, can guarantee you 100% statistically that sometimes 
the people in the room who you're with are going to be less smart than you. But if you are always in your head and not doing the mindset work to see your mind leaping to like, they must be smarter than me because they're more experienced than me, you're never ever going to see that. Like you're never going to have those moments where you realize, oh, I deeply understand a certain topic that these leaders don't understand. I have deep knowledge or deep capabilities in this area, and I actually am deeper and stronger in it than these leaders. If you don't catch your mind jumping from they have more years of experience than me to they're smarter than me or they're better than me or they're more capable than me, like if you don't catch your mind making that jump and back it back up to reality and get yourself back in reality, you're going to miss the opportunities to see where you can shine and where you have a special ability or you have a pocket of knowledge or a talent that comes super natural to you because you're so stuck in the mindset that they're smarter and they're better when really the only fact that we actually know for sure is that they have more years of experience than you and that your mind likes to take that and leap to they're smarter than me and they're better than me. And like I said, I don't think the distinction of like who's smart versus not is super helpful. So we can just almost think about it as everyone's smart in different areas, right? Like everyone just has a different set of skills where they're naturally good and it's easy for them and then areas that are harder for them. And if you're in a room with higher ups and you automatically assume they're just like good and better at everything then what you miss are the moments where the meeting agenda or the discussion turns to an area that you're actually really strong in. You are completely oblivious to that. Like you literally can't see it, not because you lack the strength, but because your mindset is blocking it out because all you can see is the illusion that they're more capable. And you get stuck in that and you miss the places where you're more capable. Because again, like I said, there's going to be places where they're more capable and places where you're more capable. But when you go in thinking that they're just hands down better and smarter, rather than grounding yourself in reality, which is that they simply have more years of experience than you, it's going to be really hard for you to see those things. So that's the first thing that I wanted to share with you is that it's super, super important to really be able to see what the facts are. See where your brain is skipping past the facts and creating fake facts that feel real to you and to ground yourself in what is actually true, which is just that you're in a room with people who have more years of experience than you. And of course, that's significant. That means something. But here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you can't be valuable in the room. And it doesn't mean that anything you share is going to be obvious to them and unimportant because they're so smart and they're so experienced and they're so capable that they've already thought of it, right? So I think we often think about it as this hierarchy of like, well, if they're higher up than me, then they know everything. And if they know everything, then why would I add anything in this meeting, whatever I add, they're going to know already, right? Like it doesn't seem like it's possible to add value, and what I want to help you see in today's episode, in addition to that very important mindset pivot that I mentioned, is I want you to see that you 100% can add value 
And I want to explain to you why using an analogy that I think is going to drive this home for you really, really well. So here's the analogy. I want you to imagine that there is a famous chef. Let's just do, I'm just thinking of master chef right now, Chef Gordon Ramsay, right? So let's just imagine Chef Gordon Ramsay. Maybe this is an earlier time in his career before he became famous, before he started hosting a bunch of TV shows. I want you to imagine that he opened his very first restaurant and he's so talented and he's such a good chef that the restaurant got full and at capacity super, super quickly because his plates were so delicious and they were so beautiful that the restaurant became really popular. And over time, he opened a second restaurant and a third restaurant and a fourth restaurant. Now, when he had just opened his initial first small little intimate restaurant, let's say it had like 10 tables in it, because it was so small, he could make every single dish himself. So whatever someone ordered, he would make it himself. He was in charge of the menu. It was a tiny little restaurant, and he was able to do almost everything food-wise. But as he opened more restaurants, he couldn't be the head chef and in charge of everything at every single restaurant. And so he hired chefs to work for him at his restaurants, which, by the way, this example might have actually happened, right? So anyway, he now has a handful of restaurants. And in each restaurant, he has one or two or three or four chefs that work for him. And for purposes of this example... Let's just imagine that every chef that he hires is in charge of one specific section of the menu, right? So maybe there's a section of the menu that are steak entrees, let's say. So he would hire one chef and they would be in charge of making steak entrees every time someone ordered one. I know that's not exactly how restaurant kitchens work, but it's helpful for purposes of this example. And so what he does is he delegates different sections of the menu to different chefs who work for him. And he hires a chef named, let's just call this chef, Amy. He hires a chef named Amy, and she is in charge of, let's say, the fish entrees. And so Chef Gordon Ramsay gives her the menu and tells her how he wants things prepared and gives her these very specific instructions on how to plate the fish. And she's so in awe of how smart and talented Gordon Ramsay is. And she is like, oh my gosh, she's so good. And she works so hard to study how he tells her how to prepare the dish and plate the dish and to get it exactly right. And she does it just the way he wants every time. And she's like, oh my gosh, she's so skilled. Like, I'm so honored to be learning how to plate these plates the same way that he does them. And she works for him and she's very successful and her plates are like very perfect every single time. Okay, so then over time what happens is the menu changes and depending on like what fish are more in season and easier to get, the fish entrees change, right? Because maybe certain fish are easier to procure And so then you change the entire plate, right? Like if you're getting a whole new kind of fish, then the sides have to be different and the whole composition of the plate is different. And so what happens is over time, Amy has this menu of fish dishes where Gordon Ramsay has told her exactly how to cook it and exactly how to beautifully plate it to the tea with every little dot of sauce and everything perfect. 
And then all of a sudden, her menu has to change. And Gordon Ramsay keeps expanding his restaurants, and he keeps having more and more restaurants, so he's not around to tell Amy how to prep these new fish dishes and how to plate them. And so Amy starts making these really plain fish dishes. So she gets a new type of fish, right? Like maybe for the first time ever, the restaurant is buying halibut. So she gets halibut and she makes like the most boring halibut dish and adds it to the menu. And it's literally just like a cooked piece of fish with salt and pepper and one piece of broccoli on the plate. It's not plated beautifully. There's no sauce. There's no seasoning. It's not creative. It's not beautiful. And the restaurant starts doing less business and everyone stops ordering the fish because the entrees are so boring. So one day, Chef Gordon Ramsay stops by the restaurant where Amy works and sees, like sees what's on the menu, sees what kind of plates are coming out. And he's so confused because for a while, she was one of his strongest chefs. She would make every plate perfect. He gave her the directions for how he wanted her to make his fish dishes. And she was one of the most consistent and the most effective chefs. And now she's putting out these horribly boring plates. So Gordon Ramsay goes to the back kitchen and says, Amy, like what, what's happening here? Like what's going on with these fish entrees? And Amy doesn't seem sort of like shocked or surprised at all. And Amy says, well, you're just like such a better, more talented chef than me. So there was no point in me being creative about these recipes or plating the plates beautifully or really aspiring to create something really special for the restaurant because I know, hands down, you could do it better than me. So why would I? And Gordon Ramsay says to her, number one, I'm not convinced that that's true. I'm not convinced that I'm so much better than you at cooking. You were doing a pretty darn good job. But second of all, even if that was true, I'm not here in the kitchen. I can't cook the fish. I can't make the menu items. I can't decide on the plating. I need you to do that because I have eight other restaurants that I'm running and I'm depending on you to be the vision. And Amy says, but what's the point in me doing that if you're so much better? And Gordon Ramsay says, the point is because I need you to do it because I can't be here. I need you to be the one in charge. And then all of a sudden, it clicks in Amy's brain that she was outsourcing her power. She was giving her power away and thinking that because she wasn't as good as Gordon Ramsay, there wasn't even a point. And what she didn't realize was that she had actually been hired so that she could make some of those decisions and so that he could have time to go take care of his other restaurants. And so all of a sudden, Amy creates this beautiful menu, and she completely overhauls the menu. And within a couple of weeks, the fish entrees are the most ordered thing in the restaurant, and the restaurant that Amy works at is thriving. Now, in this analogy, you are Amy. And so often, what happens at work is you work with executives or leaders who have more experience than you and more knowledge than you because they've been at the company longer 
and or they've been doing their role for longer. So you, just like Amy, how she worked with Gordon, he's more experienced, he has more years under his belt. You two are working with lots of Gordon Ramseys at your company. But just like Gordon Ramsey cannot be in 10 restaurants at once, and just like he needs Amy to step up and make decisions about the plates and be creative about the recipes, similarly, the leaders in your company need you to step up and share perspectives and make decisions and show up with leadership because they, like Gordon Ramsay, have their attention spread across many more things. So you've been given one section of the menu, just like Amy's been given one section of the menu, and there's a reason. There's a reason that you have a specific focus at your company because the leaders of your company don't have the mental capacity or the time to be focused on your piece of the puzzle, just like Gordon Ramsay can't come in there every time there's a new kind of fish and tell Amy exactly how he wants it prepared and exactly how he wants it plated. She's got to have confidence in her ability to make that decision and plate that fish even though she isn't Gordon Ramsay. Similarly, the leaders at your company, they don't have time to be all up in your business, right? They're all up in their business. So if you're in a meeting and you're thinking, well, I shouldn't speak because anything that I say, they already know or already would know, that's just straight up wrong. They wouldn't know, just like Gordon Ramsay wouldn't know that the restaurant is now getting halibut, right? Like that was on Amy to be on top of that. And so Gordon Ramsay took a part of the menu and he outsourced it, not just preparing it, but leading it, being creative, making strong decisions. He outsourced that to Amy. He gave that to Amy and said, you are in charge because I can't be in charge. Even if he is a better chef than Amy, he still needs her to step up because he can't step up. So even if the people in the room are smarter than you and they're more experienced than you and they're more this and they're more that, even if all those things are true, they still can't do everything. They still need you to be leading when it comes to the specific areas of work that you do. And when you're leaning back in meetings, thinking that you shouldn't say anything because it's obvious to them, what you're doing is you're being Amy putting out the super plain plates of fish when you hands down could have been making something beautiful. You're not using all of your thinking and all of your talents and all of your leadership and all of your creativity because you've forgotten why they brought you there in the first place. You've forgotten that they need you and you're thinking to help them succeed. So there's never, ever a reason for you to keep quiet in a meeting just because the people in the room are more experienced. Even if Gordon Ramsay happened to be in the kitchen on the day that the halibut was there, right? Like he happened to be there on that day. It is still better for Amy to be like, hey, Gordon, here's what I'm thinking for the halibut. It's so good you're here because I can get your perspectives and your feedback, but here's my plan for how I want to prepare it and plate it. That is so much better because Gordon Ramsay is busy. His mind is full. He has lots of things going on. He has 10 restaurants. He doesn't have the mental capacity to think about the halibut. If Amy comes to him and in leadership and says, here's what I'm thinking for the halibut, what do you think? That's going to lead to a better outcome because she's taking on leadership. She's using the talents that she was hired for and paid to bring into the role. 
and she's bringing them to him and allowing Gordon to then respond and make it better. So it's the same with higher-ups, right? Like even if they're physically in the room with you, even if they literally have the same information you do, they're looking at the same slides, they're in the same conversation, they don't have the mental capacity that you have. They don't have the ability to focus and go deep that you might have in your specific role. So they need your thinking in the conversation, right? So here's what I want you to imagine. Every meeting you're in, I want you to imagine you walk into a meeting room, And there's a big, beautiful white table. And on the table, there are all of these ingredients. There's a pile of beautiful cuts of halibut. And there's a pile of garlic cloves. And there's a pile of fresh spinach. And there's all these ingredients. And everyone who's there at the meeting is there to decide what ingredients are we going to use? How are we going to prep this dish? And how are we going to plate it, right? And you are part of that conversation. And so obviously, There literally aren't these actual food ingredients in meetings, but there are other ingredients like project plans and facts and charts and goals and objectives. It's all out on the table and you're all working together to try to create something, right? So every meeting that you go in, you need to go in as the version of Amy that's like, oh, well, what if we make it seared on one side with a crispy skin on top and this roasted red pepper sauce and and crispy cauliflower, and blah, 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 blah on this halibut plate. That is what is needed. You don't want to be relying on Gordon Ramsay to give you every single recipe. And remember, the entire restaurant is better or worse based on how much Amy steps into leadership. And similarly, this is so important. The impact that you have in the results of your company are either better or worse depending on how much leadership you choose to step into. And what that looks like for you is participating fully in meetings regardless of whether you're the most experienced or not, regardless of whether you're the smartest or not, regardless of whether you're the most expert or not. None of those things matter, right? What matters is that you've been asked to take on a part of the thinking that the executives around you don't have the capacity to take on. Just like Gordon doesn't have the mental capacity every time he visits his restaurants to be making all of these menu decisions. Like, I want you to literally imagine all the restaurants that he owns right now. And he's like going from restaurant to restaurant being like, okay, what food are you getting? How are you plating it? Like, He could never grow. He could never expand. He needs to hire capable chefs who are leaders and who are willing to step into the scariness of taking that on. And so it's not about being smarter. It actually doesn't matter if the people around you are smarter because while they might be smarter, which I mean, again, I don't like that distinction and I don't think it's super useful, but let's just say they are It doesn't matter because even if they're smarter, they're not infinite and they can't be everywhere all at once and they need you to be somewhere (laughs) because they can't be everywhere. And that includes mentally. Even if you all have the same information, you're looking at the same slides, just like you're looking at those same ingredients on the conference room table, the fish and the garlic and the spinach, their thinking is stretched in more directions than yours is. And so your thinking has the most capacity to come up with something creative. And in fact, that's what you are there to do in your job. And also when you do that, that is what will get you promoted. I want you to think about it. Who is Gordon Ramsay? 
going to promote. He's for sure not going to be promoting Amy when she's putting out the bland halibut with salt and pepper and one piece of broccoli on the plate. There's no way, right? Because she's shown that she isn't stepping into leadership. But when she starts like pulling out all the stops and producing a plate that Gordon's like, oh my God, I never would have thought of that. And now this is the most popular plate in the restaurant. That version of Amy is going to get promoted. And it's the same at work when you show the leadership and you're pushing for solutions and you're really acting like a leader in those meeting rooms. That is when you are going to impress people enough and they're going to be able to trust you with more responsibility and more complexity. And it's going to speed up your path to promotion because you're already acting like a leader in those situations. And so it doesn't matter who's smarter. And if you get caught up on focusing on like who's smarter, what I would say is I would just recommend like just throwing that out the window and just forget about who's smarter versus not. It's literally not helpful. And instead of ever (laughs) focusing your energy ever again on needing to be the smartest, I would recommend that you focus your energy on being the person who's the hungriest. (laughs) And that word is perfect since this was a food-themed episode. But when I say hungry, I mean, be the person in the room who's hungriest for results. So if Amy's hungry to help the restaurant grow and thrive, she's going to be more creative about her dishes. Also, be the person in the room who's hungriest to be helpful. When Amy is super hungry to be super helpful to Gordon Ramsay, she is going to push her thinking to create something incredible. Also, be the hungriest to lead. Be the hungriest to be the person who's going to step up and push the project or push the conversation forward, right? When Amy is hungry to put her imprint on the restaurant and to show the other people in the kitchen that you can be creative and you can step into leadership and to really help people see what's possible as they get new ingredients and as the menu shifts and evolves— When she feels that, she's going to produce a better plate for the restaurant. Be hungry to be effective, right? Like be hungry to be someone there who's creating solutions and be hungry to do all of those things in a way that feels authentic to you, right? So let me clarify, being hungry for it doesn't mean being an asshole, doesn't mean interrupting people constantly. It doesn't mean like speaking and being in a way that doesn't feel like you. It's like being hungry to be a force for good, a positive force for good, to help, to move things forward, to help people get unstuck, to come up with solutions, to be a leader in that room. That's what you are hungry for, is to lead in a way that is in integrity with who you are, in a way that you are proud of, and in a way where you are having a really big impact on the work that you do and on the people around you. One thing that I want you to see from this podcast episode is that a huge part of finding your voice in meetings is a mindset game. I gave you absolutely no tactical advice in this episode, right? This episode is entirely mindset and entirely about your thinking on the inside and making sure the inside aligns with the actions that you want to be taking on the outside. And this is by far the most important thing because when you are thinking like a leader and you are thinking in a way that's empowering and your mindset is supporting you in the way that you want to be acting, it is going to be so much easier to use your voice and take up space. If you want to grow your mindset even more and you want to let go of ideas and mindset patterns that are keeping you small patterns like, I have to be the smartest, I'm not the smartest, they know more than me, all of those things that are getting in the way of you stepping up into leadership, being like Amy, putting together the powerful plate, 
I want to invite you to come work with me inside the next round of the Art Speaking Up Academy because I can take this work so much deeper with you in that program. I will work with you for six months and together we're going to build the mindset building blocks, every single mindset building block step by step that you need to be a powerful voice in the room so that your brain isn't doing like weird illogical things that talk you out of stepping up into leadership because it is literally your brain's job to keep you from taking risks and keep you from putting yourself out there. And when you do mindset work, you become stronger, you become more powerful, and you start to really step up and lead. That is what we do inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy. It is a comprehensive deep dive into mindset so that you have the inner thinking that you need to fuel the outer leadership and the voice that is going to get you on an upwardly mobile, super fulfilling career path. To be part of the next round of the Art of Speaking Up Academy, head to jessgazitcoaching.com slash academy and add yourself to the waitlist. I strongly, strongly recommend being on the waitlist because last time I opened doors to the summer cohort of the academy, it filled up just me offering it to the waitlist. I didn't even have the opportunity to share it with people who weren't on the waitlist, which means that there's a good chance that in the future, the next cohorts of the Academy will get filled up just based on people who are on the waitlist. So make sure that you are on the waitlist if you want to be part of the Art of Speaking Up Academy and if you want to develop an unstoppable mindset that will have you stepping up as a leader. Thank you so much for being here. I will put everything I mentioned in the show notes. I will put the Art of Speaking Up Academy information in the show notes. I will also put the free resource library in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It's such an honor to record this. It's such an honor to be here with you, helping you grow your mindset, helping you become a leader, helping you show up strong. So thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.